Watch who? And welcome to Two Watch Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And I'm a Doctor Who fan. And I'm new to watching Who. Yes, watching for the very first time. Very first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we are midway through season seven. Midway? Midway. So, well. You said it now, it's out there. We're, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a Silurians last week, which you sort of enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, and you're, so you're getting used to colour in the third um, Yeah, I'm getting used to the new format style. It's very different. Cool, okay. Um, <laughs> so it's the Ambassadors of Death this week. Yes, it is. And I was going to buy some Ferrero Rocher. Why? I, because it's Ambassadors of oh. Death. <laughs> what? Why would, I don't... What? Why don't I get this? You know, like the advert, Ambassador from Ferrero Rocher. I do not no? remember that advert. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Before you jo- my time, Mark. <laughs> so you join us, listener. We're in space control. Oh, okay. We are, yes. Right, yeah. okay. Sarah, you're at the controls. Oh, God help <laughs> us Pressing all. Pressing the buttons. Does this yeah. mean I'm floating in recovery seven? I'm going to say floating, well. I mean slow down slightly. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we are connecting to Mars Probe 7 right now. You might have already heard. Uh, we've got two astronauts up there, <laughs> our guests for this week. <laughs> so, um, Sarah, press the button and, and get in touch. All right, push. Uh, so, not Katarina. <laughs> so, uh, Luke and Chris from the Lost and Gallifrey podcast, are you there? Hello, are you receiving? Are you <laughs> receiving? Yes, we're here. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you, but I've not been given my re-entry coordinates yet. So, no, yeah, yeah. Well, we no, we can't get you down. You're stuck up there now. You're stuck up. It's here. all right. We got the telly on. In quarantine, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Waiting in quarantine. It's fine. Yeah. So, um, you could do you do the episode up there in orbit. Yeah, um, that's fine. Yeah, you've got that little you've got that little TV thing. You've got that room up there with all the different colours. I'll tell you what, just already on it, I want to know what the hell's on that TV because they were having a great time. Whatever that show was, they were loving it. They were all laughing away. It was like the best. Oh, here it is again. I was like, oh my God, what's that? Why aren't I watching that? Why am I watching this? (laughs) That TV is so funky. It's like so 60s, like 60s, 70s kitsch as well. It is, yeah. Uh, So do you guys want to tell us a little bit about your podcast? Chris, do you want to take this one? Go on, I'll field this one. Well, um, me and Luke, um, mostly him, a little bit of me, um, we do um, a podcast called Lost Along Gallifrey. Um, and we've currently just come back with um, a new format, um, got a, a new second show of our new format is about to be released called Last Orders. Basically, it's me and Luke having a sort of, you know, you're down the pub with your nerdy Doctor Who mates. You might have just been to a Comic-Con or... Don't know, just want to get drunk. And you, <laughs> topic goes to Doctor Who, and that's what we're trying to emulate. So, in a small 40 minute long to an hour show where we just sort of ramble on. I mean, um, our first episode was Drunk Doctor Who, you know, any episodes you've seen on the wrong side of Inebriated. And um, we had a rail of a time with that. Our next show, which is coming out this week, is obviously all about the big news that. Um, Chris Chibnall and Jodie Whittaker are leaving the show in 2022. So we've had a good discussion about that. What we want to see for the future of the show. 
and a good old drunken ramble about and celebration of obviously um, the Chibnall years. Celebration. <laughs> <laughs> I've all this to come. Yeah, I was going to say that. You don't? Did you know that? that well, she's leaving. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fine. I do have our Twitter. <laughs> I follow our Twitter. Okay, fine. Just little, just a little mention as well. We also have a sister show, a side show called Gallifrey right, Podcast. Mate. <laughs> oh, come on! I want to just. Be, I yeah, keep going. Keep, keep going, going. Keep going. Keep going. First, it's my first time guest starring. I've got to sell, sell, sell. That's what <laughs> I think. I'm treating this like an episode of QVC, QVC Prime Time. This. <laughs> We run a sister show called Godfrey's Lost Gems, where we review like the most recent big finish releases or books or other, you know, expanded media of Doctor Who around the around the main show. Um, so feel if you find that interesting, if you're interested in what me and Luke think of drunk Doctor Who or anything like that, or what we think of the latest big finish set, please tune in to Lost on Gallifrey. We're on Amazon, Amazon Podcast, um, iTunes, uh, we're on Apple Music, aren't we? Um, Podbean, Podstar, I don't even know if that one. You name it, you're there, basically. Spotify, <laughs> we're on that. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure we're somewhere in the in the ether somewhere, Lost on Gallifrey, obviously broadcasting on Mars, so... Uh... <laughs> Very nice. To be fair, Mark has experience, not so much of being drunk watching it, but most of Mark's stories seem to be him hungover watching Doctor Who. Are well, they not? Yes, Mark. I'm sorry. The number of stories where you're like, I was feeling a bit sick because I've been out the night before. No. So I just thought, no, oh, a bit of comfort no, and I'll put no, Doctor Who on. No. Yeah, you do. That's like... No. Yeah. So many of your stories. You know, when we go back in time, Mark, when was your experience? Yeah, my experience? Like, I was in not. university and I was hungover. Oh, <laughs> they do no. all the time. Yeah. Not that much. You're usually ill. Yes. Yeah, that's Because you're hungover right. or something. No, I, no, I think I'm just Mark, ill. Mark, you have terrible hangovers. <laughs> no, I'm just ill. <laughs> right, uh, come on, Mark. Keep right, on straight anyway, now. Right, come on. Anyway. Um, well, actually, I was going to ask you both. You're, you came to Doctor Who through the new series, didn't you? Yeah. Yes, we did, yes. So both with Christopher Eccleston? No. Not oh. with you, no. I did, and he got on board in series two. Um, I think Tooth and Claws, the episode you I, always say was your first. Yeah, I remember enjoyed. catching a werewolf on the telly. Um, that, that's sort of where I sort of fell into it. But I didn't like properly watch it until series three, really. Wow. I was brought, I was kind of brought up on it, me. Like, my dad's a massive science fiction, like, massive science fiction nerd. He's been on, he's been on our show, my dad, as a guest. Oh, he was pretty, pretty much said, Right, this is going on the telly every week, and I, I fell in love with it straight away. And in that Christopher Eccleston run, I actually made a paper mache Dalek when I was eight out of like old egg cups and all sorts of things. I did it as a school project, and it was oh, like, I love that so much. <laughs> that makes my ovaries burst. <laughs> 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 Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, men. <laughs> anyway, right. So I was going. I was. What was I saying? I'm just, I never know. Like, okay, so when did you first see this particular story, or the Third Doctor? Oh, uh, it was probably Inferno for me for Third Doctor, which is the next story after this, um, because I used to get the DVDs, and that was one of the really early ones, wasn't it? Uh, I've got no idea when I first watched Ambassadors of Death, though. <laughs> this is my first time with Ambassadors of Death. Um, I'm also first-time club. 
Um, but I also, um, my first time with John Pertwee, I was scrolling through the horror channel of all places, you know, like channel 270 odd or whatever it is. Um, because I was, I was looking for TV, like I think it was over on a Sunday morning when I was about 19 <laughs> back at home. And Claws of Axos just happened to be on. I was like, oh God, I'll give this. I was like, Mark. so yeah i didn't have this one on video or anything so i only watched this the first time when it came out on dvd so i've probably only watched this a couple of times before can i ask so you watched the new series what made you go i want to go back and watch this old stuff was it just like i've really got into this or because i find it like so different yeah it is i think someone got me a dvd and then that weird sort of Doctor Who collection impulse takes over there. <laughs> I mean, every fan arts and suddenly you end up with every episode ever on DVD, don't you? Um, yeah, they used to come out like once a month and you get about £10 a month pocket money. So that was about, well, times pretty well. So that was about it, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. rate, it's inexplainable really. <laughs> I mean, it was a mixture of there were two great forces that pushed me to classic who, me dad and you. Because, um, yeah. like, I think I'd always wanted to do it, but I wanted to do it with my dad. And then he was always busy, or we always ended up watching something else, like normally those Trek or Star Wars. We actually did all of um, the original series of Star Trek. We have done it. And um, I think it was um, going around your house and watching Pyramids of Mars, I think might have been my first classic outing. It's the first one I remember anyway. It might be might be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure first classic I watched was Pyramids and I really liked it. Mm. Um, and it's just it's just um spiraled from there. I mean, I'm collecting the um I know you guys got the D- DVDs. I'm collecting the um, you know, the big collection box sets. I'm trying to get all of those if I can. I've had to have a couple of reprints here and there, but for the most part, it's all kosher as far as I can see. So so, Chris, were you doing a marathon? Am I right in thinking you were going through? Yep, and you're already past me. Well done. Um, I've been doing <laughs> this marathon on and off for about five years, and I just, I can't, I've stalled. I stalled on Ice Warriors, and since then, I've just drip, been drip-fed my way through because, obviously, I'm watching odd episodes of Doctor Who every fortnight or so for the pod and it's like i could continue a marathon here but i'm gonna watch this and i'm gonna watch that and now it's become so muddled up in my head because i've obviously done all the other episodes out of order i'm just thinking i might as well just not do it in order and just go for it now because i've done like most of sylvester mccoy's run i've done most of collins run i've done a couple of pertwees here and the tom baker i've not actually done a lot of really so i've got all the best bits that I'm waiting to do. Oh, that's really good having new stories to discover. I'm very jealous of it, yeah. <laughs> well, it's all right if it's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, the Space Pirates, we really enjoyed that. That was that was pretty much new for me. Surprised at that. <laughs> I'm dreading it. Was, was... No, it's not as bad. It's not as bad as what people say. You've got to go in with... Um... An open mind. I go into it all with an open mind because I wouldn't. I still wouldn't call myself a fan in that I don't choose in my spare time to watch it. I kind of like. <laughs> I like Mark's got a gun to your head or something. <laughs> yeah. No, Mark's like right. You've got to in the diary. You've got to watch this. Now. You've got to watch this. I'm like, all right, okay, yeah. But like, if I've got a night off, I don't think. Oh, do you know what? I'll put on like Keys and Marinus. You know, I <laughs> of course. Um, I just. So in that sense, I don't consider myself a fan because I feel like to be a fan, you've got like that sort of 
urge. So that's you are, something. You are right. There's an impulse that's like, what should I watch? Well, there's no point watching anything else. That's, that's sort of like <laughs> yeah. a weird and, Doctor Who fan impulse. And there's some shows that I have that for. So in that sense, I'm like, well, I'm a fan of those shows. I appreciate it and I come in with a really open mind. So I'm like, okay, well, let's just see what is going to happen. And if it's shit, like, I will let Mark know, why have you wasted, like, four hours of my life? I will never get those back. The shit ones, though, can be really funny. I mean, like, when we were doing Terminus, the Terminus episode. For oh, the don't ruin Terminus. We had, oh, <laughs> it, was so, it was so much fun. Like, I don't know if you've ever watched, um, a, you know, a movie that both me and you are very fond of, um, The Room featuring Tommy Wiseau. Uh, oh, I've heard of it, heard yes. Oh, you've seen it or anything like that. But it, it was that sort of vibe, you know, when you just enjoy ripping on something because it's funny. But that, for me, is... Uh, oh, what was the one with Bumblebees? Web Planet. That's Web Planet for me because it was yeah. so bad. And to begin with, I was really angry. I was like, this is like, this is my life. What the fuck am I doing? And then I was like, hang on, this is so fucking ridiculous. Like, I just just like embrace the absolute like hilarity of them going come on guys and then like five seconds later they move also william hartnell's her giant as well obviously ah, <laughs> there's just so much that's bad about it that you get to a point when you're watching it you're like i've got to keep going like as in like this is so bad really really kind to it when we were talking about it and oh, like i was skating with it because you said oh they're trying so hard they're trying and i'm just there like no i'll put it on in my spare time <laughs> that's me and mark though because mark will always be the you know the fan the kind gentle fan and i'm the dick and i acknowledge that i know my role in this i'm the brutal honest <laughs> no mark that's shit it's exciting that you don't know anything though that is like the best bit of the podcast is that you yeah. don't know I really uh, the, don't. You don't know who's going when, who's coming in when, who they are, what they're doing. <laughs> it's just so, so it's really. Yeah. Mm. And you that's why you've enjoyed doing this in order yeah. as well. Yeah, just to see. Sometimes well, I find Mark you... watching me as well. That's yeah, just weird. to see the re- when I know there's something going to happen. <laughs> like... I do that. <laughs> you've got to see it through their eyes. It makes yeah. it like yeah. watching it all over. Or he'll go to me, if I'm on my phone at that point, he goes, oh. He's really good at that. All right. Anyway, shall we start going through the story? Hell yeah. You're going to have We've got a lot of story to get through. So much story. Uh, Okay, so the first thing, actually, the pre-titles for this one, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It goes like the ambassador of death. Yes. (laughs) I really got You told me me about that on our pod when we were recording it. I was like, you said you're going to really enjoy it. And yeah, it was right. It's so good. (laughs) It's a really good beginning because you've got that tense moment. You've got the astronaut in, in space and they sort of explain that he's Mars Pro 7. There hasn't been any contact or anything. And so it re- sets it up really, really well. And then, yeah, you have that of death coming in. Um, the guy, okay, revelation of the whole thing. I'm just going to go straight into it. The guy that is in the space station in the suit and tie, he played one of the Dominators. I don't know if you guys realise that. He's when you see it, you can't unsee now it. Now you've said it. Yeah. I can see his eyes. Now, yeah, once you see, once that goes, you can't unsee it. Because after Mark said that, I was like, all I can see, it's just a different haircut. <laughs> like, <laughs> he had like the bowl cut in the first. And now I'm like, yeah, it's him. Yeah. I love him, you know. I don't know why. I, Ralph Cornish. 
I just really like him. <laughs> I just, he is actually really good at it, to be fair. He doesn't do anything, but he's just so, I don't know. He's got a good presence about him. More in this than in The Dominators, where he was like Laurel and Hardy. But this mm. one, he's got like a nice, like, calm presence. He's in charge, but he's like, mm, mm. yeah. So you got the Brigadier's already there, uh, and Unit are overseeing everything. So, Sarah, mm. obviously the Brigadier and Unit again. How are you feeling about them turning up in every single story? Because actually, it's a bit like the Silurians. You you have the space, all the research facility, scientists. It is a very similar format already, isn't it? Yeah. I said this last time, if I put that on the telly and didn't know it was Doctor Who, I'd think it was a different show. I'd think it was some sort of like, I don't know, James Bond corny knockoff you know mm. um I, I think that's really interesting because i think as a fan you just accept it but you know because you're watching it through as as that i can see totally where you're coming from i agree actually i think it, i'll be honest like when i was watching ambassadors of death it felt like i was watching an episode of like the professionals but you know sort of like for kids or like the sweeney but without john Forbes kicking people's heads off i mean like john pertwee does that a lot anyway but you know, it, it felt. It feels like, like a, you know, a really high octane cop show. Like there's a lot of like explosions, yeah. and obviously you get in part two. Just sorry to jump a little bit ahead, but you get like that helicopter scene where it's dropping bombs on people out the window. Yeah, <laughs> I said to Mark, I went, "When did James Bond start?" Because that was in the sixties. I feel like it's it almost this whole series is for those kids that really like James Bond, and it's like it plays to that sort of crowd i mm. guess but with doctor who because you know it was fine but i said i was like i'm really bored of like just gun shooting like boo, 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 boo. and it's like and you know as you point out there's no music or anything the music stops and we just got i'm like oh it's like five minutes of this now i think i skipped one actually i was like fast forwarding through i was like <laughs> well they're just fighting aren't yeah. they like I'll, I'll get the results at the end of it but you've still got the sci-fi <laughs> element the gunfight sequences though i think they're great do you like James Bond as well? <laughs> um, dep- depends on the Bond and depends on the movie. Like I'm, I like the Daniel Craig films. I like um, some, and I mean some of the Pierce Brosnan films. Not all of them. Yeah. Very, very high up there. Like Sean Connery. It reminds me of because I used to watch with my dad. Like we used to watch James Bond together, and it just reminds me of really old Sean Connery James Bond moments. And I think like I'm just like okay, well, here's another fight. Here's another gun shootout. Do you know what? The, the newest James Bond film I've seen is Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, <laughs> Which I saw at the cinema at the time. Mark, I haven't seen go... anything since You've been watching Web Planet too much. Is that what's going on? <laughs> when we finally, finally, it comes out, we will go to the cinema I haven't seen, I haven't seen any of the... Anything after that, after Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, well, whatever you do, don't watch Die Another Day. It's shit. <laughs> don't watch it. Yeah, I've got for listeners, this is a Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So anyway, back, what I was going to say, so there's a sci-fi element still. You've got the astronauts and, and everything like that. And you've got the TV reporter, which is a sort of like a, very like the new series, isn't it? Telling the audience what's happening, what's yeah. going on. That's a re- I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a good idea. In a few minutes, we shall know the answer to the question that has been occupying the minds of everyone here at Space Control since Mars Probe 7 took off on its return journey from the Red Planet nearly eight months ago. What has happened to astronauts Frank Michaels and Joe Lafee? 
Um, I, I think it's a bit of a Pertwee, it becomes a bit of a Pertwee mainstay, but this is like the earliest I've seen it. Mm. Um, it happens in the weather fear though as well. You got Yeah, bit. that's very true, yeah. I quite like you it. get a big gunfight sequence in there as well in part four. <laughs> yeah, when there's a reporter there, it, it always feels like you're going a bit behind the scenes, doesn't it? Like yeah. you're seeing the yeah. real adventure. I quite like yeah. that. And there's lots of use of the new CSO effects, you know, like the some of the astronauts on the screen. Oh, right, And then yeah. they're talking to people and the screen comes up, like the effects oh, right, and stuff. Yeah. You can see they're sort of experimenting a bit more at this time. So impressed, actually. I know this is like a show from 19, you know, nearly, is it 50 years old this year? It must be. Yeah. It's, it's, this is 1970. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So 51 year, over 50 years old. I was so impressed with the way the sets looked, the effects. And, you know, it, it has dated. I can see that it's dated, but in a... You know, when, when Doctor Who stuff dates, it can either date well or it can date really badly like it does in the late 80s. I thought I thought that the effects and everything for this was spot on and they loved the space control set and the live action stuff they were doing. I mean, there was one quarry there, but at least it actually was a quarry and they weren't... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought the sets and location stuff, like, it was really good. That um, sequence on the weird in part three is absolutely brilliant. Like, honestly... <laughs> But I think that just shows, like, because it's in colour now, they they can't get away with things the same, like you could in black and white. Because, yeah, it, it makes such a difference. When it's in black and white and you can, you know, you're like, oh, look, they're running that way. Look, they've just turned the camera. It's the same thing. They're running that way. Like, you can't, you can't get away with that in colour. You have to step up with it. I didn't like the bit with the Doctor messing with the TARDIS console at the beginning. I think that was just padding... <laughs> And just, I mean, we're talking we, about the best TARDIS control room that there is. <laughs> well, is it? Is it? He's got the console thing. Yeah. And he's messing around with it, and they're just basically showing off effects, basically. That is why that scene is there. I don't know what it's about, really. That said, though, Mark, I said this last time, it reminds you that it's Doctor Who. Because last, we've not seen the, we've we not see seen the, the TARDIS. TARDIS. He does that thing with the, you know, the film reel, like makes it disappear, but then he says it's not. What happened in the TARDIS? Yeah. No, see, I'm not a fan of that. I and I think that's really weird because... Yeah. Why? Why? Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because he did it later and she was like, is it that thing? Yeah, and he yeah, went, no. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, okay, great. Nice one. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a bit of a weird... <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> it is a bit of a weird one. And then you end up with the Doctor walking in, upsetting the scientists as usual. A bit later on, that always happens. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be a bit more positive on the third Doctor stuff, which... It's hard I for you, know. I think. I don't know why I'm finding it really difficult to be... You're not the biggest fan, are you? I don't know. I can't, he's not. I th- I'm I'll not just sure. say he's not. I don't know. It's just really odd. I just you... can't... Some stuff I like, but then I think it's because it's very repetitive. Yeah, this Like the format. One, but this is the first time I noticed, I said to you, he's really angry. Like... <laughs> It's yeah, just... but it's always a bit like that. <laughs> he is, he is a bit of a knob in this, so I'll be honest. <laughs> like, honestly, that Dr. What, Tartan, you know, whatever, like, he just gets absolutely <laughs> just mugged <laughs> off. Like I don't this. know, if you're sort of, like, watching the knob, then you enjoy John Pertwee, don't you? <laughs> like... <laughs> no, I, I love I love Pertwee in this all the way through. I, I love, and it's the, the costume as well, like, the it's the best version of his costume as yeah, well. I, I, don't, I just don't like the way he comes in. He's like, yeah, I know what's going on. It's a signal from this. Get the maps up. We'll that's sort what this he out. does. Yeah, I know, it's but a, that's it what annoys. the Doctor does, like every bloody story, Mark. But it's not, I don't know, but it's not like a hero <laughs> thing. It's just, a, oh, he's just really annoying. 
but I, I but I think that comes from I think I honestly think it's a frustration of it just being set on Earth because there's no like that idea of him knowing things. It works really well in the wider world because we don't know. Do you know what I mean? But this is on our all right, you know, alien things, whatever happening. But it's on our own planet. It's these things that are happening, and he's just. Mm. I don't know. He he just feels really frustrated all the time. There's there's just no fun. He hasn't let out his anger yet. Wait till he lets yeah. out his anger. Oh, don't, wait till he wait till he gets the Venusian Aikido out and starts. <laughs> He's gonna start crying, grappling and karate chopping and throwing people over his shoulder. He just feels very frustrated, which I'm sure he is because he's, he's stuck, stuck on, on Earth. Earth. That's probably what it is. Yeah, yeah, but also there's just no fun. And you know, the I love the Second Doctor. Because he was fun as well. He had like, you know, he's out there exploring and that's what he enjoyed and loved. And this one just feels like, all right, next job, right. I mean, all right, I'm jumping, but even the end. Oh, we'll get to the end. (laughs) (laughs) We're not following the the order of stuff, but fine. Mark tries. Um, (laughs) Let's just get back on track. So in episode one, (laughs) there's a lot of sort of action with unit. And the troops. Classic. And everything. But there's no music. The music sort of stops, like you said earlier. Yeah. It's really odd, the, the way it... Whenever there's, there's a gunfight, the gun fight, it, the no music, music just stops. And you think that's when that's when the music should ramp up a bit. It's a really odd choice, I thought. Ba, 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 ba. The music's good when it's actually on, I think. Like, I, I quite like the sort of dreamscape music oh, when the astronauts are walking and stuff but yeah you are right there's a lot of times when it's just absolutely it's really really good stuff. those sort of like slowed down sequences with the astronauts coming in and i think what they wanted to do with the muting especially in the first earlier parts is because obviously all you've got is the signal which is your only real special effects noise that you get i think they really wanted that to stand out and obviously you get the YouTube poop montage sequence in the middle as well. So I, I, I love that. I love that sort of stuff. And it happens all the time in Persuasion's room. It's brilliant. <laughs> when they're like screaming like this. Like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the hair it's, dryer. It's a good episode one. Like it builds the intrigue and you you want to know what's going on and there's a mystery and it's... Yeah. It is, it is good in that respect. And then the cliffhangers are great throughout. So end of episode one, I put Bruno is a traitor. <laughs> do, do, do you know what makes the cliffhangers good though how quick they cut off yeah, yeah. it's like actually, oh, what's happened yeah yeah and there's lots it's of like, zooms it, really. as well and things and yeah, yeah they're not corny either they like because sometimes it can be a bit like um i don't know like really over dramatic oh you know like eastenders ending or something but they're like got no doctor Ooh. face as I call it. You know, like where the doctor like he'll just zoom in on the doctor's face and it'll be like this or like Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, they're really good. They're yeah. they're really good. All of them we said that. The part two one, where I don't I don't know why it's so good. You know, he just says, Right, cut it open. I don't know why it's so yeah. good. Right, cut it open. That is my favourite cliffhanger. That's so good. Yeah. yeah. The sound, the best. It's not for me, it's part four, just the the astronaut just reaching over while that is a great on the one. table. That's that amazing. Oh no, the gun for me. It was the gun when they like when he just gets his gun and it's on the doctor and it's boo and it was just like cut out and I was like, ooh. Yeah. Um so into part two. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this it is. Sorry, we've just completely spoiled it for just you. Go- but- I'm just gonna just go through my notes here and just see what I put here. <laughs> 
Uh, we've said that about that. We said about the tape vanishing. Um, so then they, there's this prisoner, isn't there? And they have to interrogate him and he escapes. There's a lot of escaping and back and forth. I'm just, it's seven yeah. episodes though, so what do you expect? I'm going to be honest. Between like two and three, I... Well, between one, two and three, I really struggled to keep track of other people. It helped that they were getting knocked off. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was less to keep track of. I couldn't, like, you'll say names, and I'm like, I don't remember who that person was. A lot of I mean, I stories fall foul of that, I think. Like, Inferno does a very similar thing in Series 8, where there's a lot of characters going in and out, in and out, and there's a lot yeah. of back and forth. Yeah, so you have, like, this, that doctor come in, like, the guy, he had really crazy hair, and he's like, mm, a bit suspicious, and he's like, I'm going to shoot you! And it's like, and then later on, he's dead, and I'm like, oh, that's one less to remember. Like, there was a lot of that sort of stuff. So just generally then, it was difficult to keep up who was on what side. Yes, yes, it was. It is a bit, yeah. I think I've watched this a couple of times and I only really got it this time around, I think. There was one point where Mark went to me, hang on, so is he? And I'm like, Mark, I don't know. Like, I haven't got a clue. Like, I'm not the one to ask. I think that's the brilliant part about it, though, that there are so many... Like you're never ever sure who is who really and you're always trying to figure it out like it requires you to use your brain to get it a little bit i mean i was i felt like i was quite fine with it but like inferno again sorry i keep going to inferno but inferno oh, we're in anything. i'm trying to no be best it's very it, it's very you'll see what i mean when you get to it but it is very <laughs> <laughs> Similar sort of character interactions going on, and I really like that in Pertwee's era, along with like all the action and gunfights and everything. It's really, I, got really to say, I do, I do usually like the action, but I, I, the one in episode two, I didn't have a clue what was going on. I've got to say, this bombs <laughs> dropping and stuff. And just... So you've got the capsule that they've gone to collect the capsule unit again, the capsule, aren't they? And they get it on the truck. And then smoke bombs come down from the helicopter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that defeats Unit straight away. They can't deal with smoke bombs. <laughs> Aliens, not a problem. Smoke bombs, not a chance. And luckily, Bessie is a bit slow or he's taking ages to park it or something. So the doctor is out of the way at the time <laughs> and then manages to get he it back. He couldn't find it in the car park. He was a uh, bit delayed. Well, he's got the anti-theft out. device, which is a very... Yeah. Comic yeah. book kind of TV action. It's proper. It's proper Batman, like Adam West Batman moment. Like yeah. that's it. Yeah. Call a bit of Pertwee trolling, and it's it's great. So I, I could I could really picture the first Doctor doing something similar, like when he's like, "Oh come on, help!" and then like him giggling away um, yes. as, as he leaves them. It's quite first Doctor. It stands out though because you've got all that sort of serious. You've got the science stuff in this. You've got all the action stuff, and then the anti thief device. <laughs> It's like, it doesn't fit, does it? Just holding the arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. It'll switch itself off. Eventually. I've got this signed, right? The DVD. But I'm not, I wasn't really sure by who. <laughs> like, so it says here, to mark something. Can I have a um, go? I, I don't know who that is. I don't think it's the main person. Because I was at an event a couple of years ago and you know when you sort of go and there was like um tokens for all the people there so it didn't matter like 
if you saw them or not. And I was queuing up probably to see Annika Wills or something. And then this guy from <laughs> Ambassadors of Death was just at his table and there was no, no one was really interested. And I've just had to stand in front of this table for half an hour in this queue. So I thought, well, I might as well get it signed by him, whoever he is. It wasn't Ralph Cornish, was it? I'd be so jealous no. if it's Ralph Cornish. No, I, I think it's the scientist guy that talks to the Doctor and Liz for, for a couple of scenes. Uh, <laughs> I think the one he's in uh, he's in Pertwee's era a couple of times isn't he he pops up a couple of times no idea no idea I'll put a picture up <laughs> if anyone can work out who he is he seemed he seemed alright but I didn't really I, know, I just wasn't bothered I was like well if you're here I've got this there you go <laughs> like, <laughs> obviously now I'd appreciate it more and I'd be like wow ambassadors of death tell me all about it of course you were <laughs> what was it like in the space would. station but I <laughs> At the time, I wasn't bothered. So then we get the the voice from the capsule when they get the capsule. That is, and then it builds up to that cut it open bit. That is so good because it's just the voice. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's got oh, and how many beans make five? Oh yeah, we googled so we that. Had the, so Sarah had to look up after the doctor asked that question. <laughs> so how, how many, many beans, beans do make five? Uh, and you didn't get an answer. Actually, know what that meant. You know, I was really so, confused. Uh, it's apparently a sign of intelligence. It's like a question. There's no answer. It's just a question you ask to someone as a sign of intelligence. Oh, is it like is it like no soap radio? Like like you know the sort of anti question question, as it were. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So it's and it there's like loads of times in like history. It goes back to like the 1800s. It could be further than that. They sort of they pose it as this thing, um, and there's not an answer but it's something you say to test of someone's intelligence. That's yeah, because cool. somebody who doesn't know what it means will will try and give you an answer even though there isn't one. That's all. Yeah, I guess it's to just check how people respond. I don't know, but I was like, how many beans do make five? I don't know. I just thought that the script writers were on drugs. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> that too, maybe. You can edit that out if you want. <laughs> <laughs> But then we find out that there's nobody inside the capsule. Again, another mystery. Yeah. So it's keeping the interest, or is it keeping? Was it keeping your interest by part three? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, thought, I thought it was good. I thought like it's quite an intrigue. If you didn't know what was going on, obviously, like you're the best person to, to do this. But if you didn't know what's going on, I, I felt like it was quite a good mystery. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to know what was happening. I can't. Look, all in all, I think this could have been five instead of seven. I think that's like, there's a lot of padding throughout. You Maybe six. Seven it, was a it lot. It bloody goes slow towards the end. Yeah, yeah. it does. So I feel like at this point, I still don't know, but I'm also like, there are four episodes to go. And like, mm. do you know what I mean? We've got it down. We see, look, no, one, no one's here. Okay, well, now we've got four episodes of figuring that out. And that's kind of what's going on in my head at this point. So my other notes for part three is um, Liz has a really cool hat. Oh, yeah, you loved her hat. <laughs> she, oh, yeah, she has the white hat. <laughs> Mark was like, oh, this is her. <laughs> yeah, no, it is good. Um, and then we find out with General Carrington, he was on Mars Probe 6. So that's when I wrote, is he good or bad? Because I couldn't work it out at that point. I couldn't remember. I don't really understand this whole motivation if i mean at the end like 
and the doctor's like going, yeah, yeah, it was your moral duty. And I'm like, what was this moral duty? I don't, I just yeah. don't well, So he's not like a villain, villain baddie, is he? I thought it was a subtle aside to um, military propaganda and how, you know, you can't question right or wrong if you believe that something is wrong. Because when you, you know, it's like drilled into you that you, you know, you've seen a threat, you must destroy it type thing. I thought it was a yeah. subtle aside to that, maybe, you know, Doctor Who getting a bit political. And you'll see as things go on in the Pertwee era, it's not afraid to to do that quite a lot. But there's a lot of, like, high-concept politics in the Pertwee run, I think. And you start to see that coming in. I mean, um, Inferno does it, Peladon oh, does it. <laughs> I can't I can't help it. It's like it's one of my favorite stories. I can't help it. I, like, I always I always go on about it. But apart from the inferno bit, I completely agree. Because <laughs> I don't know. But sorry, I'm just I, I, think... I just want to pick it up before you get <laughs> <laughs> No, I agree. I think it's I. I sort of saw it as his. He's a soldier, and anything that's a threat, therefore, has to be destroyed. That's like so to him. That's his like duties. To, that's how I saw it too. Yeah, but they're not a threat though. So yeah, but he sees it doesn't yeah, matter because they're in there. space. He's been up there and got and, them. Yeah, yeah, but one of them killed because they didn't know that touch would kill. But to him, it's like you killed one of us. You can kill. Therefore, you must be destroyed. But he doesn't destroy them. He takes them back to Earth so they can, so he can use them. To... Well, like Rob, Rob places. No, but that's no? not him. No, it's the other guy. I think Regan is um, his underling who's trying to use it for his own ends. Yeah, but yeah, but I thought he hired he hired him to do that. Yeah, Carrington says, hired him. To yeah, do yeah, but that. he's no, 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 no. He hired him just to store them. He uses. He's like, tell me about these things, and he starts using them to do bad. Because he yeah. realized... what's he storing them for? Yeah, because he I, he must know because that they um they've come down as like ambassadors, and so he's storing them so that because I can't remember he just sort of says something, doesn't he? What? Maybe he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I does it and puts them gets them to start murdering people and doing bad things so that he can put them on the telly and show the entire world, oh, look, we're being invaded, oh, God, oh, no. Oh, yeah, it could be I've that. I've nuke the mothership, go on. But is, is he bothered about the three astronauts that are up there? No. No, is he? No. Uh, no. I mean, they're, 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 they're happy watching the 1966 than... World Cup again. They're happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. Because then, you, then you've got the um, the government guy who I thought was behind it, and then he gets killed, doesn't he? Yeah. In a bit. Anyone you think like, it could everybody be is killed. involved in this thing. It's just too complicated. Apart from the guy from The Dominators. I can't... Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's pure. He is pure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even, you know what, though? Like, the newscaster man is also sort of pure as well, up until, like, right at the end. He just does as he's told. Yeah. He does at least... What is Dominator's Man called? Because I can't keep calling him Dominator's uh, do you Man. Know what? I... He's called Ralph Cornish in this in this story. Cornish. Okay, so Cornish. Thank you. We don't, who needs Mark? <laughs> I've got it written down somewhere. <laughs> so he's like, he's great because he understands that like the possibilities of this. That's why he's that isn't like. Why would we just shoot that? You can't just shoot that. We need to like work out. Well, he's a scientist, isn't he? Yeah. So understanding. He's, he's a voice yeah. of moral reason, isn't he? 
<laughs> yeah, see, it's, you come around to him. I love Cornish. <laughs> well, look, we find out the astronauts need radiation. And then, okay, I'm going to get to my favourite bit. Liz driving Bessie in the action sequence, <laughs> running across the weir. That is amazing. I love that. That is why she was wearing a hat. Another, another brilliant cliffhanger as well. It is. Yeah. As well. She just goes, I was just like, like. Well, I'm sorry, Liz. Like, well, that is a Liz. Stunt Liz. That's why long hair, hat. Stunt Liz does yeah, a lot. but it's really good. Put it this way, the next time they use a hat that well to cover up a stunt double is in Red Dwarf for the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> you all know what I'm referring to there? I'm trying to remember. Kachansky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. Too. Yeah, it's one yeah, of yeah. The, I think it's the, the costume designer, I think, in that final scene, because, like, she... The Kuchansky that they had had finished filming and they knew they had to add her back in late on in the productions for that scene. So they had to ah. put her in a hat. Of best, yeah. For listeners, this is a Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I had to no, mention that little bit of... If you ever listen to my podcast, you know that I'll just go on pop, pop culture science fiction <laughs> all the time. <laughs> So Liz is, uh, <laughs> Liz is a hostage now. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, and this, yeah. So in, in part four, um, Dr. What's his name? Tatillion? 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 Ralph. But with the bomb and the briefcase and all of that. The information I need is in my car. I will go and fetch it. You want to wait for me here? Yes, all right. I thought that was really good tense moment because you know that he's got the bomb there and he's and the doctor's in the same room. The doctor sort of must know because he's right in the corner of the room. <laughs> really far away. <laughs> Unnaturally, Not... just far in the corner. <laughs> I think the thing that makes the tension for that, though, is like when you see him setting up the briefcase and he's explaining it to him, you have 50 minutes to get away. And then there's just a subtle zoom in on the camera where he winds the clock back so it'll go yeah. off as soon as he flicks the latches down. And you as the audience know, you know he's got no idea. And it's like, it's really tense for that reason as well, because you just think, well, both of them are going to go here. There's no way, no way out. No offence, but like, as if I was the doctor and I saw that guy coming in who looks shady as fuck, like, you're like, have you thought about it? It's like, yes. I'm like, you have something going yeah. on here. I'm not going anywhere <laughs> near you. There is something dodgy. And he's like, it looks like he's like sweating loads of like, like this. It's like... Yeah, I'd be I've keeping away from it. Nicking sweets from sweet shop look less nervous than him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not, like he's doing nothing to be subtle. I mean, like he didn't want to do it. I get it, you know. But but then when you see, I mean, that cut as well when it just the explosion starts and it just cuts away, and then the doctor gets a plaster on his face. Oh, we had a lot of talk about this. Which was like this. a big discussion <laughs> in here. Yes. <laughs> It's a big discussion. And when it disappeared as well, because I don't think we noticed, it just suddenly wasn't there. No, we noticed it go, but I didn't... So you said... You were looking the, at your phone and didn't notice he had a plaster. So And then you were like, oh, he's got a plaster on his face. Who does he think he is? Nelly? Like, <laughs> so we talked about Nelly and looked up a picture of Nelly, who has a plaster. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah. So I did not notice after that bomb him having a plaster on his face. And then suddenly I'm like, why has he got a plaster on his face? And I can't believe like I've bomb. never noticed. I've, I've literally never noticed the plaster. I noticed it. <laughs> it's like it's really... for th- about three, maybe four scenes. And then he's peeled. No, it's not that long. It's mad it's because there's nothing. Take more G than Ed than a normal human can. So obviously, explosions just don't affect him. You'll very soon work out that John Pertwee is invincible. He cannot be stopped. <laughs> he's like the Terminator of doctors. He just like nothing phases him. He's absolutely unkillable. <laughs> there's, there's, there's nothing he's of Doctor T left, is there? It's, it's literally just nothing left of him. Yeah. <laughs> And then you get then you get big John there just like And he's not <laughs> <laughs> It's not a big room. Yeah, he's not that like far away. One little plaster. I mean <laughs> I didn't even see the plaster mark. <laughs> I swear they were like, Oh, he should probably look injured. Next scene, let's just put a plaster on his face. I swear there was not a plaster on his face after that explosion. Well they went to the effort of thinking, okay, something must have happened there. I don't have any other notes for part four, so I think this is where I started to get slightly off concentration. It's about around where I went, because like he's in that capsule going up for ages, isn't he? With the with yes, the blue yeah. light, and it's just like that um, sort of stone faced control woman who just doesn't have any change of emotion. Oh my oh, yes. god! Yes, what voice woman? She's class. <laughs> And she, all she does is she look at the care. camera. She's, she's like, like, hi. She, <laughs> yes, we talked about <laughs> her a lot. Yeah. She's and then she like gives like a lie to the camera, like really sexy eye, yeah, like, execute now. Like she's just <laughs> like the, the, the doctor's like literally ten out of ten as well. The, do, the doctor's good. literally dying in this rocket and she just doesn't even raise like a, yeah. a semitone. But then she does scream right at the very end. Yeah. That's her moment. That, <laughs> that is her, her one moment. moment. That's the only time. Apertures will not close on automatic owing to excessive heat. Lift off speed now, 30% in excess. It's the camera eye that gets it for me because it's really like sultry. She's like really made up. Her makeup's like perfect. She's really glam. And she, all her lines are delivered like straight into the lens. So she's like, you know. It's so late 60s, early 70s that as well. Like it's the only time you'll see that in like British television or any, like, you know, American TV that you'll get the just it, she is just there for like eye candy and i don't I'm, i don't mean that in a derogatory way it's the truth like you know that yeah. there to sell to the dads and i'm sure that this has been i bring that's um john nathan turner said something similar to um tegan the actress that plays tegan didn't he i think in the 80s I'm right in thinking that don't know sounds like you're making <laughs> big talk to me anyway anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it, it's it's a sign of like the sort of sexism, like, well, not sexism, but, like, you know, um, sexism. No, you're right. Because... Yeah, the sort of, like, sexism of the times in that permeated, you know, film of that era, you know. I expected, like, going into this, it to be a lot worse. Um, and it's just around now that I'm starting to, like, notice... No, it's interesting, because Liz is like amazing like i'm really te- i'm doing liz don't i yeah liz, just check yeah. i've got the right name i'm terrible with names i'm really team liz even though i can't remember her name i think she's great but she's just always glam and it's like this is like all oh, right you can be as clever as you want you can be the as you know as genius level as the doctor almost but 
you are a woman and therefore you look, you have perfect hair all the time and you look perfect all the time. I mean, yeah, but it, then, she's wearing that hat. All right, it's because yeah. it got a stunt double. But she has a whole action sequence and she drives Bessie in, and she does all of that in, stuff. In big heels and like that hat does not move. It, it just kind of shows this sort of like this glamorous, like clever one who, but she has to look glam the whole time. That's not real. There's a, where it's like, you know, you think of the main characters and things happen and, you know, they get like, Roughed up a bit, or they, I mean, the doctor gets a plaster, you know. Well, Cornish is pretty glam, that Cornish. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that perm is sort of got going on. Like, I'll say this about Doctor Who: like, for this era, it it seems to give with one hand and take with the other a little mm. bit. It's not like Blake Seven, where you know it's like all sort of like that, like very sort of you know, done for done as much for luck as for action, if you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's very it's still trying to break new ground. And I mean like we see it in Web of Fear with um what's his thingy's daughter. Um and yeah and, and she has some really good moments in that in terms of like of female empowerment that. in the sixties in the late sixties. Um, for, you know, for someone who's playing a female role in a very male dominated science fiction show. And you see it here with Liz as well. Like I, I really like Liz in Pertwee's era because she's a match for him. And it's the first time we've seen a Doctor Who companion that isn't so much a follower as an equal. And I think yeah. if they'd have done Clara like they'd done Liz, oh, God. <laughs> I, I mean, big leap, but... I think it would have been a lot. <laughs> I think I think the sixties is better than the seventies for it. So I think yeah. you're probably going to see worse things now when you think you probably would have seen them in the sixties. Because I mean, I got annoyed when they'd be like, "Polly, can you go and make us a cup of tea?" That annoyed me. Well, so, actually, Liz makes a cup of tea at the beginning of this story for the Doctor. It. Yeah, but she's not like being sent off to do it. She's done it maybe as like a, as an equal. That's the one thing actually was. But the Doctor always does because. The Doctor does see his companions as equals in that way. Well, actually, they're split up quite a lot in this story. Liz has her own yeah. stuff to get on with most of the time. Own, she's got her own shit going she's on. She's got her own. Yeah, she's, all sorts <laughs> happens to her. She's hostage. and She has a really good line, actually, when um, like the guy, I can't remember, he says, like, he, he, he says, oh, don't be scared of her or something. She's like, what do you think I'm going to do? Eat you. It's, it's really good. <laughs> it's just a shame that... One, there are so many men in this. I mean, it is really male heavy, other than Liz. Yeah, because it's, it's you. Apart from her and the announcer. Yeah, so that, that's, that's it. Woman, that's that it. is it. That is, that is it. it. No, there's, um, there is another woman at the beginning. I th- don't think it's the same one. Is she killed? Doctor somebody. There's Doctor <laughs> somebody, and she has a few lines at the beginning, because I wrote her down, and then she never turned up again. Um. Uh but no, what what's the name of this one that says all the announcements? Anyway, she's going to be in my list of women. I know I checked in the, in the credits that it's literally just like control unit woman. She's like, oh. I control <laughs> unit woman. Oh. I, don't, I don't think she's killed. <laughs> I know it's a bit trash. Control yeah. unit woman. Yeah, control unit woman. Yes. <laughs> Can you please have the image just be her giving a sultry look? Because yes. she does so many of those. I'm going to make some merch. <laughs> <laughs> favorite job <laughs> what she just I'm doesn't give us toss when the doctor's like dying she just doesn't give a toss she's just <laughs> she's getting a job done yeah that could be it don't give a toss like commander <laughs> <laughs> don't give a toss like control unit women. that's it yes. that's the t-shirt <laughs> love it with a sultry look 
Oh, if she ever does a signing, she is. She's going to get my DVD done. Yeah. Maybe that's who you've got it signed by. I don't know what it says. So what have I got? Yeah. So part five. Well, actually, part five. I said to Sarah, I was like, "Do you recognise that character? That's Benton, who was in the invasion." Oh yeah, you did say. And you didn't remember him? No. No. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) His second appearance. <laughs> but and then you went. I was like, "Who's Benton?" You're like, "Yeah, Benton." I was like, oh, "What?" And then okay. you went. Then you went and with Isabel. He uh, drove Isabel to the hole. Yeah. And you decided that they were a couple. So yes, then I remembered. You did. No, no, that was a different one. That's oh, then I don't know one. who he is. No, you don't know. Anyway, he's in. He's... <laughs> I thought he was the guy that is. <laughs> the guy. Ended up with. No, he's not going out with Isabel. No. <laughs> oh. Anyway. No, I don't know. That. Uh, and then you've got um, actually the character of Lennox we've not talked about, who is stuck with Liz in the as a hostage. Oh yeah, that we guy, who's guy. from Tomb of the Cybermen? Yeah, I've got nothing to say about him really. He's just nah, not a, really. Just a bit of a weed, isn't he? Oh. He's just a bit yeah, wet. But the way, isn't he? Yeah, but the way that the way that he gets killed though, when he goes with the isotope thing in his prison cell, that was a very good moment. Yeah, it was. The shock reveal as well. Like, you know what, though? Is it Benson who brings that to him on the platter as well? I mean, I know, it, I know he doesn't know, but... You don't see. You don't it's see. never revealed. Do you, but I'm sure he says, it like, he be. says to lock the door, he says, like, don't worry, I will, or something like that. Is Benson actually evil? <laughs> it oh. could be. It could be. It could be him. Yeah. Ben- Benton. Yeah, you don't know. It could be. Because you see the arm, and it's like a unit soldier. I don't think it was, because remember hearing his voice a bit different, because Benton's very, like, more upbeat in his tone. No spoiler, but Benton will pop up again in the future, as you can probably tell. <laughs> why we keep saying Benton? Sort of around, can, yeah. can, can you like just keep an eye out in case he does anything else shifty? Can we see if yeah. he's actually a bit of a serial killer on that slide? I think we've stumbled onto another one of our world famous theories, Luke. <laughs> yeah. Is Benton a serial killer? In his spare time, yeah. yeah. Just handing out those. Radiation things. <laughs> Cash. It's going in the back pocket just in case. Uh, and then we have the Doctor going up into space. I like uh, that. With all the G-Force and stuff. Really oh well done. Oh my gosh. The G-Force face was hilarious. That's a perk we faced. It looked though, like it? his face was melting. Oh, it you'll was... get loads of good perks. you get loads of Oh, it's fantastic. But it's interesting they've decided to do that. It shows for this series they're trying to go for the realism. Because like last series in... When did the Dr. Jamie and Zoe go oh, into space? In Seas of Death, they're just like, they're not, they put a seatbelt on, don't they? And just sit in an <laughs> office chair. But now, in, you know, a series later, they're really going for the. No, they G-force have faces, the, just not as much. Yeah, well, not it as wasn't much. as melting. They're like tip upside down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This one's like a. When well, you say story. tip upside down, you mean spin the camera around. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's not, I mean, I, it's the one problem I had with it. Like, that was the ba- where the bad special effects comes in. But they were, like, you know, I, I was talking about you saying that the web planet was trying. This was trying. And I like, Yeah. yeah oh, no, I mean, come on, you can't you know. compare these. <laughs> 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 I, I really liked it. I thought it was quite, like, I liked how, like, sort of homespun it was, I guess. I didn't um, think G-Force, I just thought like, blah, blah. his face is like rubber. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's, he, he does it a bit in Spearhead, doesn't he? That you, you know, at the beginning, when that thing's around his neck. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing, yeah, I didn't, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like the perk we 
Gurn. Gurn in There's too many of that. There's I'll, about three or four cliffhangers in Silurians, which is the Gurn, I think. The Gurn. Well, <laughs> it's a bit, too, a bit too much already. So, I, lo- I, I love, love the space love rocket stuff, though. At any time, like, Doctor Who does, you know, that sort of 1969 space rocky stuff. You can't help but like it, can you? And I, I'm sure at the time, like, I don't know, the kids would have loved anything where they're sending the doctor up in space in a rocket. That's quite cool, I guess. I love the fact that this was 1969. We just landed on the moon in real life and now we're already at Mars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's meant to be set a bit in the future, though, isn't it? I know. Well, controversy. we actually don't no. know what it was. We haven't got that. Oh, we haven't even talked about it. Well, it's not. It's not uh, a spoiler yeah. or anything. There's no real answer. It's just. It's just meant to be like a bit further in, isn't it? Yeah, presumably. Yeah. I don't, it's not. That's not a spoiler, is it? Well, no. Yeah, I know. We'll talk about. We've not talked about about it. when it's set or anything. Yeah. No, no one knows when it's set. That's it's ba- it's basically it is the seventies, but it's yeah. the seventies in a world where we're getting to Mars. Or or is it the eighties? Yeah. Well, a bit of real world history for you. Um, there was actually plans to get to Mars for in 1982 for NASA, or just after they landed on the moon. Oh. Mm. <laughs> and you guys got up there and you're still up there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking the piss. Honestly, that was what they were going to do if they maintained the funding levels that they had for Apollo. That's what they would have tried to do. But oh, then I they, see, yeah. Then I they saw this plan. and they thought, oh, no. I don't understand. Again. When was the last people on the moon? Like, the 80s? 1972. Oh, no, it's, yeah, it was like 72. It's like three years. Okay, after. so it was really, like, tricky to do at the time. Surely by now, it's easier to do. Why haven't they? I just think it's weird they've not gone back. Because it costs a lot of money, Mark. Yeah, I know, but... I don't, we've just had we've just had three ast- Well, I say astronauts. They're not astronauts, are they, officially? But three people going to space, like... Yeah, but I just ago. think it's weird they've not been back to the moon. I just think they are slated to go back in 2023. Um, the current that there's a set of missions called Artemis. Um, you can look it up online. Really, really interesting stuff. Um, that's going to use the Orion capsule and the set to go back for 2023. Elon Musk with um, SpaceX as well. He's already chartered a orbital flight around the moon for 2023 as well from a Japanese fashion designer. No. Of artists <laughs> <of> solid, <laughs> solid answer. Okay. Anyway, you are still yeah. watching a Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, when they get up there, we'll just see, you know, as long as they can meet the ambassadors and sort everything out and we don't <laughs> have any issues. I think the reason we haven't gone back is just because there's nothing there and nothing to do there for the money that it costs. Yeah, because... The reason they're talking about Mars so much is because they think at one time Mars had life. Right. But it's that bit further away, so we couldn't live on Mars, But the, whereas the moon is the moon. There's no proof of life yeah. on the moon or anything, so it's like, move on. The moon is to be used as a test bed to get to Mars, effectively. It's like a long-term test of can you live in space for over you know two or more years on another world like similar to what they've done with the iss with the long duration missions over there but it's just like the next step to that so obviously yeah. travel to mars as well would you go to the moon if you could oh yeah definitely easy uh, get away from all the noise no, I, don't. Oh, you don't like flying, do you? I don't like flying i was just thinking i was like i don't think i can get that far <laughs> 
Like 40 <laughs> minutes on a plane is enough for me. I don't think I'm going to be able My to get My flight to Ireland was too traumatic. Going to Ireland was just <laughs> too much. So I need a bit more practice, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. A bit more practice to get to the moon. No, no. <laughs> no like flying, just generally flying. Like, and then maybe I'll try and go to the moon. <laughs> That's your logical next step. Well, the doctor doesn't have any problems. He passes all them tests straight away, doesn't he? Well, yeah, because he's from space. Yeah. Yeah, he's up there. Uh, So then we see, you said it was like the oyster in space, that thing. Oh, yeah, I said it looked like an oyster. So he lands there. He lands there. Um, And then it's, uh, then I've put lads in space because they're all sitting around watching. Yeah, (laughs) lads, lads, lads. I I actually, I think that's a really good twist. I mean, like, you It'd be a lot better if the Doctor didn't spoil it in episode two and say that they're still up there. Because I feel like if you weren't told that <laughs> yeah, he got yeah. there and they were there, it's actually quite good. But yeah. you, you'd be not expecting that situation there. It's a bit like, it's a bit of a, yeah, it's a twist. Yeah. Of like, it okay. reminds me of um, David Wicker's Enemy of the World with the basement underground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Underground. yeah. 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 <laughs> Except yeah. it's up there instead. Yeah, and yeah. you need that by this point, like episode six, you need that extra, something new. Cause... I agree. I I wish they hadn't said, like, if he hadn't, if he'd have been like, I think we need to investigate more than, yeah, that's all up there. Because yeah. I think then it would have been like, a, they're completely fine. Oh my gosh. And it would have been that. You'd be expecting to see aliens, I think. And then you get that. But yeah. instead, Pert, we just ruined it all. Well, you know what <laughs> yeah. Someone needs to cut like the opening one and a half minutes of that. You know what they're just going on about the football. Somebody needs to cut over that. It's coming on. <laughs> and then, okay, we're sort of heading towards the skipping ahead a lot. We're heading towards the end of the story. Episode seven, it, it's just too long. It's just more astronaut. We've seen the astronauts. They out again doing their blasting thing. Dream sequence, slow walking. Yeah, yeah, and that, that was really effective when we first saw it. But then now we've seen it again. It's just, it's just too much. Oh, and we haven't actually talked about the actual ambassador, the actual alien that we briefly see. Oh yeah, it's blue face, isn't he? Is he blue? So he's behind these blinds, oh, and yeah. I feel like he's moving his arms because. Usually you'd get the monster and the mouth would be going in the mask when talking. But because there's no face or anything, the arms have to do the sort of talking movements. So he's there, standing there, going like, you know, waving his arms. It's it's just... Behind some blinds. And, okay, they keep it sort of vague, but I think it's a bit too vague. <laughs> but we do see their face later, don't we? Because he takes the... There's like oh. that one really quick shot of the face later and blue. on. I think they, I feel like they were definitely selling it on the basis of the space suits, and the that suits is the is image so you cool. come away with as and well. And the design is so cool that I don't. I just erase whatever they're meant to look like. I can't. Yeah, I can't yeah. even remember really. I just remember blue. I just yeah, remember that's all it is. That's it's all it is. It's just blue. blue. It's just blue. <laughs> it's just a blue. Blue blob. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get an action figure like that, are you? You're just going to get the space suit. <laughs> that would be cool. But you're not going to get a blue. It's the Malhoon before he got fat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a bit. I don't know. I'm not sure if I like. I'm disappointed by it because you're expecting to see something. I don't know, horrific or shocking. Or actually, it's good that they've kept it 
I think it, it could have oh. given the story a bit more of an extra kick, couldn't it? I suppose if you if there was a proper alien in it, may, and it make it feel more Doctor Whoey, which is mm-hmm. yeah, what what the big no, criticism I, is. I like that um, the fact that it is the suit that is the monster as well. Like I like that sort of like it's a hu- very human element that has been like twisted and deformed into such like you know something that can kill you at just one touch. It's like I just think that's. Like Doctor Who at its best, and I like it when Doctor Who does subtle monsters, especially in um, like you know this early era, because obviously the special effects aren't as good. And I, I, you know, I really liked it. I think the design was brilliant. I think the space suits looked absolutely class all the way through, like real space suity space suits. Mm. I mean, you've seen the moon base with the big blooming bubble head. This is how you do spacesuits. That's it. I, I'm assuming yeah. they can actually control the fact that they kill people though. Because that was a bit I was a bit unsure about. You know, like because they, they don't want to kill anyone, but I think it's just their touch, it's just whatever they touch. I think it's because they're so radioactive. So they mm. can just because the guy, Regan, just tells them what to do. But like you know, why are they killing people if they don't want to do it? Or do they literally have to walk up to that person and touch them? I think they have to do it because of the radiation. They don't have the... Because obviously, if they take away the radioactive sources, they're going to die, and obviously they're Ah, uh, that would make a lot more sense, actually. Mm. Yeah. How, how come that policeman gets up off the floor as well? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that. Everyone else's touch dies. Policeman just stands up. I was because he's, he's a chad, unstoppable. He'll probably have his own <laughs> the story. Same, in the future. What they're not telling you is it's the same policeman from the first episode. That's what they're not telling. Ah. <laughs> Benson will be after him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I mean, we've skipped way ahead because the doctor makes that device to talk to them. Carrington tries to take over. The brig has a good punch up in episode seven. That's a. Yeah. I enjoyed that. I was enjoyed that because he got battered everywhere else. <laughs> so to, to see him actually get a good punch in on the episode seven was quite nice. He's got to, he's got to win at least one fight. He's always about five so steps behind everyone. How come he takes about two hours to go and see Lennox? Honestly, he's like <laughs> he's, he's waving the doctor off on his little rocket. Going, oh, I'll see you later. Um, spends about two hours at the base just waiting for Lennox to die. Why yeah. you know what? The, the Brig and the Doctor have a proper bromance in this episode, I think. It's like watching Brief Encounter at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, because the last one, I felt that the Brigadier and the Doctor are just not on the same page at all. Well, the Brigadier blew up the Silurians. So... Yeah, but even before then, like they just weren't. And this one, I agree, they seem to be a bit more like even though he's very dismissive, it, you know, he seems to be a bit more like, okay, yeah, with work with him, work together, we're friends. Maybe it's because Liz isn't around. So his only other mm. companion that knows him and knows to trust him is the Brigadier. Mm. Maybe there's a love triangle going on between the three of them. <laughs> a lot of tension in that space. Because the was pretty happy to see Liz again. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay, just skipping right to the end, You've had seven episodes to sort all this stuff out, and it's still not sorted out by the end. Like the doctor's like shakes everyone's hand and walks off. Oh yeah, Liz will sort the rest out. He does as well. It's 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 like John Pertwee saying they finished filming, and he's like, right, done for the day. See you later, everyone. It might as well be that. It's such a weird ending, considering you've had all that time to sort stuff out. What? 
But also, it's weird that he's, like, just completely dismissive of sorting it out. Exactly. Considering that, like, he went up to space, he was the one that talked and was like, I promise we'll get these ambassadors back to you and all this. And he's like, yeah, all right, let's all do it. Bye. Yeah, but Cornish is so trusted and understanding that I'd leave anything to Cornish to sort out. You know he'd get the job done. (laughs) He is very, very good. Yeah. Um, No, it is a weird ending. And to be honest, a lot throughout the story just seems to happen off screen, if you know what I mean. And And then you think it's going really slow and then suddenly something will happen because something's happened off screen. Because that last episode, a lot happens. And again, okay, classic Doctor Who, everything is tied up in the last, like, five, ten minutes. But, I mean, a lot happens. And that's where I was like, do you know what? We've just had six episodes. Like, a lot of this could have happened sooner. Or at least the episode Mm, before. It just felt like a lot of story in this last... A lot of big things in this last Mm. moments and a lot of time. I suppose if if you're watching this week by week, though, I think maybe then that's... It's not a one to binge, I don't think. I know I haven't even been in, sort of told you about all the recolorization and all that kind of stuff. For going into colour for this series, yeah. same with the Silurians, it's all a bit beige and a bit bland, I think. Really? It's not the best quality. That, although, <laughs> I suppose what's coming is so colourful and so sort of just vibrant that. Are you talking about Inferno? No, <laughs> for the album mark. Uh, no, just like genuinely, like the next, you know, couple of seasons and that. Um, mm. But yeah, it does seem like that. The quality is quite bad as well. Like even that bit where Liz is on the bridge, it's very grainy. You're just yeah. about seeing the hat, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> That's what you say. See, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was pretty. Colourful and good, but maybe it's just because I'm just seeing colour for the first time. <laughs> Very first time. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the great thing about going from black and white into colour Doctor Who. It's like, wow, it's like I'm my grandma or something. I'm enjoying colour, BBC. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of feeling. What? It's like that sort of feeling. Like honestly, like I can, it puts me in the shoes of someone who, like you know, saw Wimbledon Green for the first time. You know, like back in the sixties. Like, I absolutely love it. Because oh, particularly that intro, it's so colourful. But I think oh, it's because I've just yeah, had black and white. Yeah. yeah, so I feel like the whole thing is. Mm, maybe, maybe I'm just being. I mean, hey. could just add about the intro as well. I wish they did that on every Doctor Who, like. Do the do the titles, do a little bit, and then the actual title sting, and then it's onwards. so good. Isn't it? It's so good. It's really good. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know what the reasoning was for that because they sort of experimented in the sixties a bit with all these different intros. Yeah, maybe they just the whole ice warriors. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know what? It always seems to be the Ian Stewart Black episodes that got special treatments like that. I mean, like War Machines had that like sort of typed out intro. It's actually really, really cool. Yeah, I like it when they do something a bit different. Yeah, me too. It mixes mm. it up a bit. <laughs> this doesn't mean I remember them very well. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think we've got through most of the story. <laughs> There's probably still quite a lot uh, that we skipped out. But that, oh, that's I wasn't the talking basics. about. The I was going to say, we did just yeah. watch it all, Mark. So. Yeah, no, we did. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Sarah, shall I tell you what the story is next? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
so it's Chris, called Chris sell it instead. Okay. <laughs> well, the, the, you see, I don't actually know what it is. <laughs> okay. Okay. If, if it's Inferno, I'm gonna cry. Please tell me it's not Inferno. <laughs> so no. it's Inferno. No. <laughs> It's supposed to be really, really oh, good. Oh god, I thought it was the series <laughs> after. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so okay, Inferno. So what so what are you thinking? I think it's gonna be epic and I think <laughs> <laughs> Oh I think it'll be set on Earth and I think Unit will be there. Yeah. Okay, so it's seven episodes again. Yeah. Oh right. But then we don't then they go shorter in the next lot lot so so your last seven episodes to get through okay we can do this okay <laughs> i honestly thought it was the series after you oh god i'm sorry uh, well you can listen out for my views on that one yeah <laughs> <laughs> at mark spiel to you <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you very much, Luke and Chris, for joining us. Thank on this. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and we've, you've got a lot of editing to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get it down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just I just want to say this has been an absolute pleasure. And I can't wait. I hope I get on again. But then again, I know the nightmare. <laughs> Oh, editing out all my laughter and just general crap so do you want to remind everyone where they can find your podcast and yourselves on social media yeah uh, lost <laughs> lost on Gallifrey uh, on Facebook and Twitter uh, but yeah Apple Podcasts Spotify as Chris lengthily said at the beginning that <laughs> <laughs> um, we're doing last orders at the moment. It's about a forty-minute show where we just have a chat about Doctor Who, like we're in a pub. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Watch Who, uh, and you can support us at BuyMeACoffee.com forward slash Two Watch Who. Uh, and we'll see you next week for Inferno. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Two Watch Who.